and welcome to another episode of Technically Minded brought to you by Credera UK. I hope as always that our listeners are well and if you're based here in the UK I hope you've been able to enjoy an outside meal in what's been some questionable weather over the past couple of weeks and are looking forward to actually getting inside, sitting down in a pub and having a nice warm meal for once. Technically Minded is a podcast brought to you to highlight areas of interest in technology and business. It gives our consultants across the firm an opportunity to give their views on the topics and, and discuss in a little bit more of a conversational style. I'm the host today. Uh, my name is Joshua Silver. I've been a consultant here at Codera UK for around 18 months. And today I'm joined by, first of all, uh, Director and Head of the Retail Practice here at Codera UK, Nigel Hughes. Hey, Josh. How are you? Not bad, thank you. Also joined by James Breeze, Managing Consultant in the Martech Practice. Hi, guys. And Adrian Wiles, Managing Consultant and part of the Data Practice. Hi, Josh. So jumping straight into today's topic, over the course of two podcasts, we're going to be discussing connectedness and and what it means for your organisation. Today, we're going to be focusing on connected experience and connected insights. I think a good way to kick this off. Nigel, would you mind giving us a quick intro into connectedness and, and why we're talking about it today? Uh, sure. Thanks, Josh. So this came from um, kind of been working with a, um, a European retailer and a, a large property company um, in the UK. And the, the role we've been in is we, we're effectively helping them design their technical architecture. And in doing that, we started talking about some of the business capabilities, and therefore we started having some discussion about some of the things they wanted to achieve. And that led to discussions around their MarTech and the MarTech stack and ended up having um, some quite interesting detailed conversations with the two CMOs from those organizations, both of whom cited personalization as being absolutely key to their strategy, their plan, and what they wanted to do. And then we started talking about where and how the technical architecture would, would fit in there. And what became apparent was that the way they were discussing it was it was about their wanting to connect to their customer. So that's where their personalization came in. And therefore, they were talking about the ability to get the single view of that customer. And in getting that single view of the customer, they started talking about their data and the separation. And in fact, if you like, the connectedness of the insights to the customer. And then when we started talking about that and, and dove a little deeper, we understood that actually they got very different separate technology stacks in various places that also um, are, are um, are an inhibitor to that connected um, data insight. And, and then what we got to is actually they're very siloed as organisations, that each department has its own technology, which has its own set of data, and they said to building up there. So there may be someone that has an understanding of the email, someone has an understanding of social data, someone has a sentiment data, someone else working in customer data, then you've got all the back-end systems. So what they were was they were very unconnected. So what we started to do was build a little map together and said, look, at the top end, you're trying to drive connected experience. What is that dependent on? What's well, actually getting your data together to get connected insights? What's that dependent on? Getting your technology connected. What's the biggest barrier stopping all that? A disconnected organization. So what we got for both organizations were well, this connected feel of experience to insights to technology to organization. And that's what this is really about. It's almost like peeling back the layers of an onion and going deeper into your organization from how you've described it there to me. Um, yeah, very much the breaking down of silos at each level is, is, mm. is what we ended up doing. Mm. So setting that scene, um, James, if I could come to you, sort of 
what why do you think personalization is important and, and what does it mean to you that's a good question if, if you remember back to the the start of of uh, nigel's answer it started with an aspiration to be personalized from from a couple of cmos and i certainly recognize um as a as a marketing professional professional myself the need to increase personalization uh, and it's one of those words and, and marketing is definitely uh, prone to having uh, catchphrases personalization is banded around all over the place and what it really means is tailoring content to increase relevance um, it's about making uh, those interactions more interesting and engaging for the customer and it's about providing more efficiency and effectiveness for, for the business and, and if you get those two things you've got highly engaged customers that are getting the value that they need from a business and, and you also get the business achieving the value they need um, uh, in, in a me by a means that is most efficient to them and and, and that's mutually beneficial I, I think it's worth exploring examples of of personalization um, and I, I, the reason I think that's important is because Often when you speak to and those, you know, those two CMOs that Nigel was just referencing there would have their own examples in their own mind. And obviously that's related to the, their own businesses. But, you know, addressing a customer by their name is one obvious example that, you you know, jumps to mind immediately. It's also autofilling previously provided information. So, you know, you're presenting that you know something about your customer uh, by giving them back the information that you hold about them for them to correct for them to have an easier experience. Um, it's about not presenting and sometimes, uh, you know, the uh, thing that's obvious uh, maybe is missed sometimes in personalization is is not presenting things that are irrelevant. That's about uh, that efficiency and, and, and value. It's um, presenting content as the customer needs it. So it's spotting a moment in time which is most relevant for an interaction. Um, and it's also, as I say, about taking away. So minimizing interactions, uh, minimizing clicks to get to the place that the customer wants to be. So that anticipation based on what you know about a customer and, and, and all those things. And that, that is just a, a tip of a, uh, the iceberg example, but across a, a few different areas. It just gives you a flavor for what the potential of uh, personalization is. And I'll, I'll throw another sort of maybe trite marketing phrase at you but that, that really gets to the the hub of this and, and why it is so important to businesses it's about the right product in the right place at the right time and that's ultimately what personalization can provide no i think it's really interesting and and you know i in my shopping experiences online, I can just see personalization everywhere. And, you know, I think the websites that I think are the best are probably the ones that just get me to where I need to be the quickest. Um, and so I can definitely, I can definitely relate to that. Does anyone have any other points to add to that at all? Well, I, I guess I've just spoken, but I'll add again, you know, you just reminded me of the fact that for the, for the engineers listening, the, the, the best engineering is the simplest solution and really you there is they're all you know those examples I just provided and all the different uh, siloed complications that Nigel alluded to actually when you boil this down it's about how do you make it as simple a solution as possible but by doing that you get the best value for everybody so there is a um, I think cautionary tale also to add to this is, is the 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 over personalization that can occur as well that that um I was just thinking, my wife bought a new pair of pajamas 
sat down, looked at her iPad, and the new pyjamas came up in front of her. And she was slightly freaked out, to be honest, by the fact that there was an advert for something she just bought. So, so there was two things in there. One is she was being hit for something she already had. So, but the second it was, it was so close to home. So there is a little bit about personal space here I think we need to be careful with as well. So just as a, a, an adjunct, what's going on. But, but right now, um, I don't think going too far is where the industry has a problem. It's, it's the connecting of information and getting that single view which is, is really where the challenge currently resides I, I think that's a fantastic example nigel and um th- i can think of many others and I, I, it's hard to c- come up with examples in business without sort of naming businesses and, and and probably not the right thing to do but I've, I've heard it called the creepy factor you know if you go too far down the route of um presenting the information you do know but in, in in the wrong way it can absolutely go the opposite way and 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 uh, destroy the relationship you're trying to build so i think it's it's important to to realize that we're taking the customer on a journey as well as just presenting a single message and that's where you want to be able to tailor your subsequent messages based on the reaction that the customer had to your first message so for example if you have Um, if you have advertised pyjamas to somebody and they then went on and bought them, it's unlikely that the next day they're going to want to carry on buying more pyjamas and and the system should react and start moving on to a different offer. Yeah, you've got some real legs with this uh, and that no pun intended with the uh, pyjamas example because the you know, I've worked in both business to consumer and business to business environments. Actually, if the person does repeatedly buy pajamas, then maybe actually they're a, they're a B2B customer and they could be treated in that kind of way going forward. And that's a great example of looking at and, and taking on board and, and, and just building on your point, Adrian. It, there's an indicator there that of the type of customer that you're interacting with as a business. And, and if you listen to that uh, sentiment and buying behavior, you can tailor your experience, um, uh, personalize it, and, and you end up with better value, again, both, for both sides. And I see the argument to, to pajamas coming through. My wife, I think, would argue that um, in my case, you can never have too many cycling shirts. So it sounds like we've covered connected experience in that answer and that uh the good metaphor of pajamas as example um so if we could move on to connected insights a little bit um adrian could you just give a kind of explanation as to what what you know connected insights is and, and what why it is as well important certainly so most organizations nowadays recognize that they need to make value out of their data and they will typically have have a small data science team that is building insights on the information they've got. But to get value out of that data, it has to be actionable. And that means that what your data science team has derived of of customer segments have to be connected to the creative material that your marketing department is producing. Um, And uh, your pricing models that that your marketing and data science teams are coming up with together have to be capable of being fed onto your um, onto your shopping basket system so that you can make special offers to people who you think are going to be enticed by, by a particular pricing model and make sure that that is presented to them across all means that, that you have 
arm of allowing purchases. And that that also means that, that your different means of communication have to be um, connected with each other. So that your, your on-site messaging, in the case of a web shop, has to be consistent with your paper communication and with your email comms. I think Adrian makes a, a really interesting point about um, uh, customer and, 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 and email and, and different channels. So if I look to the property company that I was working with, basically they hold their customer data pretty much by channel. So if you contacted the customer through email, your data was held around the email channel. If you contacted it through chat, it was held on the chat. If you contacted it through the digital media, it was held on the digital. And they didn't really have any um, um, crossover between those. So, so the way that you were understood was very much the way in which you communicated by channel. And if you used a different channel, there was no connection between the two. Why is that important? Well, if we go back to the concept of personalization, it is dependent on single view. They didn't have and were not close to that single view. So part of this connected insights is very much how do you get connected across your, your siloed sets of data to give you that single view of the customer that allows you to drive um, to drive drive tube personalization. I, th I think that's a really valuable point because you start to build, what you're able to do is coalesce your insight around an individual there. So you're starting to see um, and what you said, Nigel, I recognize from from businesses I've been in, it's very typical to have silos and very typical for them to be around channels. But what you need to do to and, I, and, and there was a really important word that Adrian used of uh, consistency. The only way you can get consistency is, is coalescing that insight around an individual. It's a really important part of uh, providing a connected, um, personalized customer experience. I can I can definitely relate on that point there, Nigel, around kind of the silos of email chat and and all the other ways, particularly with customer support, the amount of times I've contacted someone via email and they've said, you know, what's your query? And I've explained the query and they've said, oh, well, have you spoken to us before? It's just getting that connectedness to be able to say, we can see you came through to us in a live chat or something. For me as the customer, just thinking logically that it would be, you know, something that would really transform my experience, especially in customer support specifically. Yeah. And customer support is a really important uh, uh, place for all this information to be connected together. Because the last thing you want is for one part of the business to contact the customer uh, and then that customer to ask customer support for clarification. And customer support have absolutely no idea of what information has been presented to them. Hopefully, Joshua, with some of the insight you're getting from this podcast, you'll have a lot more sympathy for those poor agents using a uh, a piece of software that has no connection and and, and I, you know it's sort of I'm sort of joking about it but it, it, you know that frustration you feel it gets taken out on those agents and and it's 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 really unfair because it's about the lack of connectedness um, in the in the background that, that's causing that frustration and it's a real shame I've done it I've been there I've been the agent so yeah I can completely appreciate how that would transform my experience on that side as well I think it might be just to point out as well is that that connected insights. It, it, we're going to touch on, I think, in the next podcast, how often that's driven by the disconnected technology stacks um, in the organisation. But but I'm, I'm conscious from this one, we probably need to start looking at you know let's stop admiring the problem. Um, and there's often something to talk to our, our, our clients about and talk a little bit about some of the things that could or should be um, um, put in place to, to take, take organisations forward. Yeah, so, so leading on to 
you know how to actually bring customer well connecting experience and connecting insights into your organization um what would you say james are kind of the key barriers um to driving connected experience or insights and and how how can they be overcome it's a really good question and it's important to sort of focus on moving forward as well um but in the context of of what we see uh and some of the examples i give are very common and, and hopefully it resonates with our audience. They'll, they'll be very familiar, but siloed is a key word. It was used already um, in, in some of our conversations so far, but siloed processes, um, very common to, to create issues where you, you say have a um, product launch uh, versus um, a, a complaints process, um, they can be acting completely independently. And, and that is linked also to siloed IT, disparate systems with uh, no enterprise view. Um, you sometimes hear terms like shadow IT versus owned IT. And actually, that is all being blurred by, you know, the move towards cloud at the moment. But silos in IT is very common. Uh, siloed teams, uh, the, the, the most common ones are sales versus marketing versus IT. And the versus isn't by accident, sometimes it can be relatively antagonistic um, and that can cause issue issues. Linked very much to that is siloed channels, uh, retail, and we, we alluded to that earlier on as well, uh, retail versus voice channels versus website channels versus the teams that are responsible for the app. Um, the larger the business, the more chance you have bigger teams managing those different spaces uh, differently. Um, on a slightly different tack, um, you, you sometimes have more traditional businesses, uh, thinking of examples like building societies that manage customers in a very uh, relationship, uh, face to face kind of way. Um, and that can present an issue where, uh, especially, you know, you think of COVID and accelerating our need to be more digital going forward. That conflict between the more face to face and analog and traditional versus uh, digital space. So that's another barrier that that can cause issue in having connected uh, experience and insights so on the on the technological front uh, there are a, a few ways of, of solving this problem um, the the most traditional route is that you collect all of the information for the silos together in a central um, data warehouse team usually um, this this has the advantage that it's one team that can see every view of the of the organization. Um, but the typical failing with that is that that information is, is available to the data professionals, but it's not made available back out to the marketing teams. So you have this view in the organization that marketing can't use that information to influence customers. Um, the, the new breed of customer data platforms are coming on and they present the information in a, in a much more customer friendly form. Um, but that gives you a little bit of internal conflict as to as to where that data platform should sit. As as James related to shadow IT, you do occasionally get situations where the marketing team buy their customer data platform and it exists independently of the technology team. And that, whilst the intention was to give you connected insights, it actually creates separate insights because you now have marketing insights and you have technology insights that are that are apart from this. Um, an, even, an even better solution is when you would start to share a, a common identity platform. 
And you can start to see this as sites now, whereas before sites would say, please log in um, with your email address and passwords. Now they're starting to say, please log in with your Google account or your Facebook account or, or your LinkedIn account. And that enables one single identity across your organization that you can use to join your various pieces of insight together around an individual. I think and Adrian makes a, a very strong point about you know the connected insights and, and, and connected the individual and actually there are solutions to the technology challenges, the silos. And, and, and in my experience, that's not where the real barrier lies. The real barrier lies in protectionism. The problem is um, phrases like it's ours, it's mine. That's the stuff that's got to be removed from many organizations. It's the people sitting above a set of data that fills in some way it's it's their information, their data for the job that they do. That is not way and cannot be the way of going forward. And it's really those sort of cultural barriers that, that need to be um, be broken down. Um, and where I've where I've seen those those barriers break down very effectively is where you have a combined picture pushed down from board level for data-driven KPIs that affect all teams. And so everybody is working together to, to move the same data-driven KPI forwards. The, the, well, connected, sorry, sorry. sorry okay. I, I just think what you're describing there, I, I've been in businesses where um if you ask the question who owns the customer it's amazing how controversial a question that is and it can really drive out um well initially maybe conflict conflict of kpis of of feeling of ownership of um protectionism as nigel uh, framed it but ultimately you've got to ask that question because then you start to get to a situation where at least at first stage you have cross-functional teams working together for the benefit of the customer um, and then driving the, the connectedness. And, and that, you know, we, we've talked about uh, the IT explicitly, but then you start to get processes and, and measurement that are driving in the right direction towards customer benefit. Yeah, this is a really interesting discussion. And I think it probably follows on quite naturally in my head to sort of say, well, where do you think organisations are now then? If you were to sort of summarise where the average organization is at this stage um what would you what would you put in in a few sentences in my experience they tend to be quite different and quite um, peaky so some people will have that they all have a base level of expertise but some will have peaks of experience in particular areas some organizations will be brilliant at data science some organizations will be brilliant at marketing and the the thing I think we we can bring is a way of identifying the priorities and which other parts need to be brought up to the same level in order to achieve the greatest impact. Yeah, I think you're right there, Adrian. Depending on the age of the business, you'll have your newer channels than 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 others, and there'll be pockets of excellence. And and you described um, departmental pockets of excellence, but you you might also get channels. You might also have individuals who really get the challenge and have built up, for example, a data scientist practice, but maybe are struggling to push that insight more widely into the business. So I think, yeah, I really emphasize and, and um, agree with your point about uh, our experiences. There's a patchiness to this 
um, the, the you know your question of, of of whether firms are getting it or not. So, so I agree. I go a little further. It's it's not just a patchiness, but it's also a case of of the problems have been addressed separately. So marketing and martech takes on its problem and looking at the martech stack. Data and the data analytics team take on their problem and look at the data and the integration of data. Technology takes on its problem, looks at technology integration. They're not aligned. It's not a holistic solution. For me, one of the big things that's missing and something that is often discussed, but actually very rarely properly implemented or looked at is true enterprise architecture. There's no pattern and no sort of blueprint for the way that firms should be pulling this together that starts to get this connectedness. And therefore, I think, you know, getting back to a true view of an enterprise architecture is a really, really key part of this that then allows you to look at this as an holistic set of activities, as opposed to we're going to have multiple different teams solving the, the, the problem in each of their silos. And guess what? Silos become pervasive still. That's a really good point, Nigel. And, and what that really reminds me of is that it's really important to understand there's no uh, one size fits all solution to this problem you really have to consider um, some of the aspects that we've described already but the nature of the business if you have a business that is very heavily orientated towards uh, online interactions then absolutely your your overall solution whether it be technology or process or how you're dealing with it it, it needs to be tailored to uh, those circumstances it's really important to you know there isn't a cookie cutter uh, solution uh, to, to to pick off here you've got to consider all that context um so just as a, a caveat to the um, you know taking the holistic view and the architecture one thing i did want to add in here is the importance of attacking data silos early if there's one thing we want to take out of this podcast that's a key point attack the data silos early where though i would go a little against conventional wisdom um, which is start with thinking about what you need is more start with some sort of audit, understand what you've got. And from understanding what you've got, then think about where and how can I drive advantage through personalization and let that drive your strategy. If you let that drive the strategy, you'll then find and see where you've got gaps in the data that need to be fulfilled. And, you, and what you start to build is a virtual circle in how you start pulling your data together. If you start with what you need, often you start with a rather blue sky and disconnected view and you get into the wrong sort of discussion around connecting all your data together. So, so attack the data silos early, but do start with an audit and see where and what you can build from what you've got, as opposed to trying to solve, uh, drive world peace right from the beginning if that's not too trite as a, as a position. Just to build on that, it's, um, it's not necessary to boil the ocean um, at the start. You don't need to break down every single silo from day one. You need to know where your business is going and what the engines of, of growth are in the business and concentrate on breaking down the silos there. So we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, the connectedness of the data, but I, I think we haven't really teased out something that um, has proved really important to my work in this space in the past. You can pull te together data to improve reporting and absolutely that provides insight that allows you to deliver value in the data and that is in the same themes it's around connectedness bringing the data together having that uh, that view it's different though and has different challenges to actionable individual customer data and i'm not saying either uh um you know the both add value to a business 
but they they provide different challenges and 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 the best ex, you know examples of actionable individual data that can lead to an uh, an instant outbound communication. It can lead to um, a real time presentation of an offer um, when someone logs onto a website. That's a different set of challenges around all you know uh, that we've described: data, people, process. So they're, they're interrelated, but I, I thought it was worth maybe trying to pull that out as a separate nugget of data for reporting for insight versus um, individual actionable insight. I think we'll leave it there on a bit of a cliffhanger for part two, which will be connected technology and connected organisation. Uh, thank you very much to all three of you for, for joining me today. I think it's been a really interesting conversation and, and something that I, as someone who doesn't have much background in the area, can, can really relate to. Um, so I hope the listeners who are still with us have enjoyed today as well. If you want to get in contact with us, you can contact us directly uh, via the podcast or you can go on to our website. So uh, credera.co.uk, credera.com and go on to our contact us page. We will make sure if you have a question for a specific speaker that it does get to them. But for now, I think all, all is to say is we, we hope you uh, have a good rest of May. Look out for part two and hope you enjoyed. Thank you all.